And good afternoon, and thank you for joining us. This is the Intentional Talk Radio Network. It is a hump day, and we're enjoying this wonderful Caribbean music, African music, right here at ITRNRadio.com. Thank you for joining us once again. I am your host, Colette Williams. We've got a great guest coming in this afternoon, Tam Lawrence from Exposure TV. And we're going to talk about all things TV and how you might consider joining Exposure TV if you want to get some exposure. But before she gets here, let's have a conversation about the election that's coming up. Let's also have a conversation about the new telethon that we are hosting on November 5th. And I'd like to bring in our showrunner. I'd like to ask her a few questions and that she can share some answers with us on the telethon, the humanitarian telethon. Kiana Williams, are you with us? I am here. Can you tell the audience about the telethon that's coming up on November 5th? Sure. So on November 5th, which is a Saturday, um, Window International Network will be hosting along with, in partnership with us, ITRN, um, we're going to be hosting a telethon that's going to be raising funds for educational supplies for South Sudan. Um, we're hoping to raise uh, anywhere between 67000 um or more, uh, the hope is, so that we can send that money to our family in South Sudan to help with educational materials um, that are expected to be purchased on the continent. So in South Sudan, uh, in Juba, so that the money stays inside of the country. So um, if you are, if you have time, definitely join us on Saturday, November 5th at 3 p.m. Pacific. Uh, do the math uh, for your time zone, but 3 p.m. Pacific is when it's going to be begin. It's four hours, and we're going to have um, some guests on. Um, someone named Bull who's going to talk to us. He's he's called uh, a lost boy. So he's one of the lost boys of South Sudan, and that is a group of people who fled, young kids who fled a war. So uh, there was some political uprisings, um, uh, overturning of governments, you know, coups and that sort of thing, and that led to a war. And gunfire and bombs were dropped from helicopters and airplanes on these people, on these completely innocent people. And um, so this boy and others had to flee their homes and their families. People scattered in all directions, and they kept up with who they could. Um, that being said, boy and others fled all the way from South Sudan on foot into Ethiopia, some into uh, Uganda and a few neighboring cities, uh, na- I'm sorry, neighboring countries, Kenya included. Uh, so he's going to be on telling us his story and the reason that his contribution is going to be more like him coming back to tell us about his experience 
but also more than that to tell us about how he has completely rebuilt his life. He's reconnected with um, some of his family who survived, and thank God for that. And he's also going to be talking about the work that he does now in trying to give back to his own community and rebuilding his own community. So that is definitely worth looking forward to. So definitely join us. You'll hear more stories like that. And um, and you'd be amazed at some of the things that Boy and others had to um, endure just trying to stay alive. Not everyone made it on foot, but Boy did, and he's going to be there to tell us uh, about his journey. And um, yeah, so that's that's going to be a very special day, a a day where we we definitely have the opportunity to reflect on some of the some of the things that we endure in life and how much the the over the challenge the journey of overcoming how much it really actually does mean to us and how it shapes our personhoods so i'm excited about it and i hope that you can join us again saturday november 5th beginning at 3 p.m pacific so hope to see you there well thank you so much that is very compelling just with you telling us that part that's awfully compelling and awfully invigorating and exciting. And everyone should be there to hear the story of Boy and the others. And they did endure a lot. The war did not end until 2020, which of course we know was just a short time ago. That was during the pandemic. So the land, the country of Sudan is now North Sudan and South, South Sudan. And people are doing what they can to live. So not just exist, but live and thrive. And it's going to take all of us to ensure that they do that. So what WIN International is doing is it's, it's necessary for us to commend them on what they're doing to help these people. It is truly a humanitarian effort. Yeah. And, and this is not something that we should take lightly. This is something that we need to really, really and truly support. They're doing a lot. And there are organizations around and there are more organizations today than ever before that are supporting countries in Africa. And they're not all supporting the Sudan. They're not all supporting Nigeria. They, there are a number of different countries in Sudan that are getting support from people in this country. And I, for one, believe wholeheartedly that is our responsibility. We absolutely must support the continent at any cost. We must support the continent. You never know. That might be where we all have to go to live. So you never know. But we need to support the continent of Africa. And I'm not going to say that you must give every penny to that country, I am going to say it is our responsibility because we're land, black folks are landlocked people. The only thing that we have is, is Africa. That's what we call home. And if you, if you read your history books, that's what you call home. Yep. We're, we came from this country. Absolutely. But I just want you to know that those of us, who are melanated are fighting it against those who are not. And they don't want you to have this as your country. They don't want you to even claim this 
as your country. So what we need to do now is support the endeavors, support those who are on the ground in the African countries to help them with trade and aid. And you can't have one without the other, with trade and with aid. And November 5th is going to be a very exciting day. Our first guest for the afternoon is none other than the Academy Award-winning actor, Danny Glover. He and I will host the first hour. We have two hosts after that. That is Dr. Godwin and Trina Orkay. Then we have, uh, I'm sorry, Chef Andre Blassingame and Dr. Keisha Ross. And then we have the principals of Win International. So it's going to be an exciting afternoon. It's a four-hour telethon. We intend to raise quite a bit of money. Our goal is to raise $66,000 that will help them in this endeavor on the ground in South Sudan. So $66,000 is not a lot of money. It's not a lot of money, but your money will go far. It will help people live in South Sudan. When you look at the numbers of people that have lost their lives to warfare and to famine and to drought and to ailments that they could not do anything about, this should change your mind. This should change your mind. If we could get back to humanity, we'd be able to help everybody. We'd be able to do something for everybody. And it's time that we did. It's time that we did. And Kiana, I know that you are, are a, um, an African American woman and you're very interested in what happens on the continent. And I believe it was your sister who spent uh, maybe 10 days in Africa. She went to South Africa, Kenya, and Tanzania. She went on safari in Tanzania. And that was an experience for her. I wish I'd been there. She went on semester at sea, and Africa was one of the 13 countries that she studied in. What a trip. What an absolute trip. Yeah, she went to, I think, four or five of of the 54 countries in on the continent, yeah. And a, one correction, actually. The gentleman who's a lost, one of the lost boys, his name is not Boy, it's Bol, B-O-L. In my mind, I saw B-O-I, but it's B-O-L, Bol. Oh, Bol. Bol, okay. yes, okay. B-O-L. Yeah, okay. so that was just one correction. His name is Bol. He's a lot, one of the lost boys who's going to be giving us his testimony. Um, yeah, can, but it's okay. Can you tell me what the uh, what the lost boys signify? Can you talk about that? So the lost boys signify um, a group of children who had to flee from their village with the rest of their families as much as they could. Um, they had to flee because they, their village was being bombed. Um, gunfire and actual bombs were falling from helicopters and planes because their country, uh, fell into a war. It, it fell to war, political unrest. There was a coup. 
there were some outside colonizing countries who overthrew uh, Sudan. They were overthrowing the government, the Sudanese government. And those countries, some, I don't know who was dropping the bombs, uh, but I, I definitely know that those people had to flee. And so the group of, I, I think it was a total group of boys who were discovered as this group of young boys, young children who had to flee their, from their homes. And again, as I said, these people, young and old, were scattering in different directions, trying to keep up with one another, but they had to flee for their lives because gunfire was falling from the sky for them on their village. So in every direction they fled, and of course they tried to keep up with one another, but unfortunately that did not happen for quite a number of them. So you had people like Bull who were part of a group of young children who fled in a particular direction and they were able to cross across several countries they just ran and ran and ran and they experienced the wildlife some of them uh, did not make it because of some of the wildlife because of starvation because of perhaps ailments cuts bruises that infected maybe consumed consumed them a number of reasons um so this was a very traumatic experience that these that these these kids had to endure. So basically what we're trying to do is shed light on this situation um, for a number of reasons, one of which we really do, especially on this particular in this country, we're fed a particular um, type of propaganda if you will or we're, we're fed the news in very particular ways which is supposed to lead us to think very particular things about other nations so I think this is an opportunity for all of us to really get a full understanding of the political um, unrest that took place there I don't think we're going to spend a lot of time on the politics however it's worth researching um, but also that's something to consider because these sorts of things still go on where the United States and other um, other Western nations are performing coups in countries that are in great need of things. And these countries are in need because their governments and or their their hierarchical structures have been overturned for generations, including um, the elders of certain tribes and villages, including kings and queens um, in certain kingdoms and tribes. And so um, it, it's it's a long-standing tradition that outsiders cross into countries um, that are quite self-sustaining if left alone and overthrow them because at the end of the day, what is underneath everyone's feet is what these countries are after. And so... That goes the same for what why uh, Sudan and South Sudan are now separate um, because there was a political coup. So this is an opportunity to learn how these things happen and how the U.S. and unfortunately our tax dollars play a role in these sorts of things. We've got to start opening our eyes, um, truly. We, we, we never really have had the privilege 
of being ignorant to these things, but unfortunately not by any means of our own, but because of the way that our media is set up, they're not interested in giving you what's actually going on um, in the world and how the U.S. and other Western nations are actually becoming the so-called rich nations, the so-called established, civilized, wealthy, however you want to phrase it, nations. Um, these are, uh, in a lot of ways, ill-gotten goods, but we have the they, – they end up being luxuries and excess. And so um, it, with this being a humanitarian effort, that's not just a word, humanitarian. I think what that is is a, it's a call to action for all of our souls, all of our consciousnesses and conscience and, and our minds. We really need to become bigger than our privilege and – really work at understanding the history and how things are created, how how these sorts of things happen, how someone can get in a helicopter or a plane, fly over someplace, and just unload ammunition down below. Whether it's landing on people, animals, trees, it doesn't matter, but to just unleash violence. I think really deserves more than just a conversation, but really a deep soul searching um, endeavor because we've got to really understand why this continues to happen. And we here in the West don't know when it happens, don't know the names of the people planning it, and don't really understand that some of the some of our privileges or some of the excess that we have, is gotten because of these endeavors, because right. of these coups. Yeah, so, ill-gotten, ill-gotten goods. Right. And and all of this that we see, a lot of the time, ill-gotten goods. And we want to praise the leaders of this country. We vote for the leaders of this country. But we also have to think about the damage that's done in other countries. And the damage that's done here, there are so many things where people are damaged, people are hurt, people are being, uh, they're being treated unfairly. Not only is it racism, but it's also inhumane. Right. And there's so many things that happen that we can't get a handle on it. We are having a hard time getting a handle on the things that shouldn't happen. So just think about the things that do happen that shouldn't happen. And how do we handle those things? So here in this country, we're looking at people on the continent of Africa and we're doing our best to support them, to help them live. And I saw, I read something some time ago, maybe last month where someone was saying, Los Angeles looks like a third world country. And it does. It absolutely does. And people want to know how it got this way. It got this way because we're not taking care of the things that we need to take care of. We're not doing the things that we should be doing. And someone asked me earlier today, how do you like, how do you like Dallas? And I said, I love Dallas. And there are things about Dallas and other parts of the country that you don't see there that you see here that shouldn't be, that should not be. 
So we're going to move on to our guest right now, but we want everyone to know and to understand that this is very, very important. This is an endeavor that will change the lives of many people, not just one, not just some, but a whole country. And we want you to be a part of it. Don't forget November 5th, Saturday, November 5th, this is a humanitarian and educational telethon to raise money for the South Sudan. You'll hear lots more about it. You will hear a lot coming from all kinds of people who are involved in this. So just stay tuned because this is going to be exciting. So I want to bring in our guest, and I'm so excited that she is here, Miss Tam Lawrence from Exposure TV. How are you, Tam? You're on mute. Oh, okay. Hi, I'm fine. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm so glad that you are here with us. I was just saying, uh, I guess it must have been yesterday. When I see you in, in your glasses, I'm going, that girl is, look at her. <laughs> so you bring a lot to, you bring a lot to media. So I'm really glad that you're on. I'm glad that you're here and we're going to have a great discussion about what you're doing. So Tam Lawrence is the founder of Exposure TV. Tam is in the media arena and she wears at least a dozen hats. All of them are media related. She also has Exposure Magazine and she also is the, what was it that I asked you about? How you had time to do that? Uh, Register state lobbyist. Oh yeah, a state lobbyist for the state of Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. So with all that she does, I'm going to turn this right over to Tam and we're going to dig right in and talk about Tam Exposure TV and also what you do as a lobbyist. We are now in an election period and there, this is a very contentious election period. So mm -hmm. I can only imagine what is going on in the state of Wisconsin. I happen to kind of like Wisconsin because it seems like it's always fall. The weather is always nice in Wisconsin, I think. <laughs> no, I, no, 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 no. Uh, Wisconsin gets about the same as, yeah. Chicago? Yes, yeah, just about Chicago. Um, okay, okay. Colder. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I like Wisconsin because I've been there a couple of times. Mm -hmm. I've been to Racine. I like Racine. Mm -hmm. And I remember one of my family members said, this is where they tell you on October 1st, move your boats out of the water because the lake freezes over. <laughs> and mm -hmm. when the lake freezes over, if your boat is still sitting in the water, your boat's gone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. So yeah. I, I remember her, all these boats have to get out of the water by mm -hmm. October 1st. Oh, so is that still real? Um, I would say November, just a little bit before. Yeah, November. I'm not a fan of Wisconsin. Not at all. Really? Wisconsin is the worst place in the world for African Americans to live. It's the most racist, disenfranchised, the most African Americans. Um, Harvard did a, um, a research on Wisconsin, and this is what made me become a lobbyist, um, not for the entire state, but I became a lobbyist for my mother. 
because the seniors in the community, my mother being uh, RN and really teaching us how the medical industry worked, I saw so many different disparities there. And unfortunately, um, Black people are in the medical part-time right now in America, and there's a genocide that is um, consistently always against us and not for us. And so in the state of Wisconsin, over 77% of African-American males before the age of 18 years old have seen prison. Massive incarceration was very real for this state. Uh, right now, the lead poisoning in the water in the African-American community is higher than that which it is in Flint, Michigan, yet you don't hear about it. Right. That's because we have uneducated Negroes um, that run the um, political uh, situation here in the state of Wisconsin, who um, I call them educated pimps. And so um, they ask you what party you belong to, and you have to decide whether you would go with one or the other. But I'm with a party that's to watch you do your job party. And so um, and to ensure that is getting done um, as a lobbyist in the state of Wisconsin, um, I, I went in for um, making sure that seniors were getting the protection that they needed. They violated my mother on several occasions. So I moved back to Wisconsin from Hawaii. And so when I came back home to take care of my mother, I saw that if she was being treated like this with an education and her financial means is what it was, then people who are less fortunate and undeserving and deserving communities um, in BIPOC, marginalized, what do they want to call us today? Uh, communities would be, they would be, uh, they would be undergoing these conditions. And without people educated in the space of law, um, or rights and, uh, political, uh, regimes, because we live in a monarchy that is ran by Elizabethan and Vatican's. And so you have to know that these people are Vikings and they, uh, conquer and divide and devour. <laughs> and so, uh, being a lobbyist for me was personal. Wow. That, that, whoa. <laughs> Wow. And I'm not, uh, wow. And I'm speechless because I, we had family members that lived in Racine mm -hmm. and I went from Racine to Chicago. And one of the things that we cannot escape and I don't care where you live in this country. I don't care where you live. There are no havens for black folks in this country. So for decades and decades, people thought that California was a very liberal state and there was no racism in California. There's more racism in California than probably Wisconsin. And guess what? And now folks are now looking at it going, huh, I didn't know. You didn't know because you didn't pay attention, but it's here. It's here. And it's all over this country, not just in Wisconsin, not just in Wisconsin. The statistics that you just gave to us, I'm, I'm really shocked. California has the highest rate of prisoners and the highest number of prisons. At one time, California had 37 prisons. But let me correct you on that because a lot of people say we're incorrect on something without understanding is per capita. 
So they have more people there. And the fact that we have less people here than California for it to be impacting the lives of 77%, 88%, when you do the statistics, it is overwhelmingly the worst state in the whole. It, it, this, wow. this study has already been done because we want to go and compare a small rural town because this is not a city. This is a rural town, a country place, and it ran by um ran by KKK and and undercover Germans and things of that nature. So black people here are still stuck in a time um that was before J. Ken- Jason Clare wrote this book called the um oh my God. Um Jason Clare, I'm trying to think of the name of the book, but it's a book that talks about how black people migrated to the North. So black people who migrated to the North were less, were more likely to get a job and kind of put behind uh, their values and what, what their ancestors had to go through so that they can, they could actually um, assimilate with the, the people, right? So at which point in time, the South was still fighting. That's why when you go to the South, you see Atlanta, which is proud Black people still getting education, thriving, six-figure incomes. So when you come to the North, you have people who are less likely to be educated. And so you got a lot of uneducated Black folks around a whole lot of uneducated white folks who are just as ignorant as all outdoors. So you got a real problem. Houston. So at the end of the day, when you have massive incarceration at the rate of 77% and you have women who have had, you know, babies and, you know, all of this and the daddies are now gone, your cousins, your brothers. And so basically what happened in this city, the governor um, decided that he wanted to be able to cattle in something that was was accommodating for the city and would make the city more money because they start privatizing prisons. So wait a minute. Oh, privatizing prisons in Wisconsin? So when they, yeah, when they start to privatize the prison system, it became the biggest um, yes. funding source. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's right. Nationwide. Yes. But yes. here was the beta testing. So if you ever look up Wisconsin, it's known for beta testing, whether it's food. Um, that's why we have the most dialysis clinics. Um, it's also known that St. Uh, what was it? St. Francis, St. Mount Sinai Hospital did more than 60% of these surgeries on women and hysterectomies, castrating black women that didn't even need the surgeries in the first place. So they was trying to stop, you know, babies or whatever, the population of black folks, and they slowed it down by doing a whole bunch of hysterectomies. So that's a huge problem that nobody talks about. It just happens, right? And so when you have no fathers and you have hysterectomies and you got women who are now coming into uh, menopause, so you really have a high urge of mental health. Because people don't yes. know if you're equally, if your equilibrium is off, you're unbalanced. Mm-hmm. And so you're now not able to mentally cope with all of the things around you. Then people around you don't understand that your body has just went through a transition. And so in that transition, you lose self. And so we got some problems, Houston. And so you got a lot of that going on. And then at the same time, they Keenan Health Center just tested over what, 800 kids, 635 five of those kids came back with mental retardation from the water. So when we talk about people out here killing people for the most ridiculous reasons, it's because these children that they think are 
children that are 17 and they are well-rounded individuals are not thinking at the capacity in which Abraham Maslow might want to talk about hierarchical needs. And you might want to step into metaphysics with Aristotle. However you want to break this thing down, there's something in that core uh, that is not allowing them to engage with common sense or just, you know, just the consciousness and not even connecting the subconscious to the conscious and living in their truth and understanding exactly how to operate in society society as a human being. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm really quite surprised. I won't say that I'm shocked. I'm quite surprised because none of that really shocks me because this is America. Okay, this is America. And wherever there are concentrations of, of black people, you're going to find disparities of all kinds. And the correction in terms of the number of prisons that are in Wisconsin as opposed to in California, again, I don't know the number of prisons in Wisconsin. It could be 40. I know that California's prison population, the budget is the largest in the country. I'm sorry. The budget is the largest in the state of California. Now, I don't know about Wisconsin. Wisconsin could be California. But the way I see it, that ain't nothing to brag about. Okay? Because those that are are incarcerated are Black folks. Mm -hmm. Black folks. And those that that are are typically brought into the system, Black folks. Mm -hmm. And now, just as, as Kiana said, either way, it's all bad. Whether it's California, whether it's Wisconsin... I was on the train coming from Houston to California and I sat with the superintendent of a prison in Florida. And I believe he was in, uh, I believe he was in Miami. I believe it was Miami. And when I told him that I was on my way to California, that I lived in California, he said, Oh yeah, you got, y'all, y'all got the, the largest number of prisons in the country. Yeah. Y'all got the largest number of prisons. Y'all get, get them and keep them and send them out and they, they come right back. So he gave me a lesson, even though I was already in tune with what the system does and the fact that it was the largest. And the reason that I was in tune was because I was conducting workshops for educators. And it was important that educators understand that prisons are built based on the number of third graders that do not read by the time they leave the third grade. Those kids who are not reading at a third grade level and they're passed on, they're looking for them because prisons are built and that is a fact. So we're doing a whole lot to lobby, to talk about, to bring attention to all kinds of issues. That's one of the issues that we're not working on. Here in California, one of the issues is I take that back. It's nationwide because President Biden said that he is going to overturn all of those people that went to prison over marijuana, a plant. 
Well, I think um, no, how we got into that conversation is you kept, you said you like Wisconsin. Yeah, I like Wisconsin, but you just changed my mind. Make sure that the truth of Wisconsin is told um, and that we, are, we engage on, we are our own liberators. And so what may it be, um, you know, that I think is a conversation that must be had. Oh, but media is the controlling device that can change the narrative and the trajectory of our future. So absolutely, uh, a lot of times we get into the, the problems because I think we already know all the problems that exist in the Black community, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so we know all of the trauma, but I think that as we discuss it, and I love having these conversations and I appreciate you, but I, and then out of love, the reason why I step out of those conversations as a lobbyist is because we can have trauma bonds and people don't understand that that happens in the black community so often. And so we get so ramped up on the channel of energy. That's not really for us it's against us and so the best way to handle it is to produce a solution mm-hmm. and let's continue to keep going because businesses thrive in this country based on finding a problem and then we invent solutions, solutions. That's why I've invented the media platforms that I have done God has graced me with the opportunity to do what I love to do and um, I believe that wholeheartedly that we are in a space and time during this administration that Black people should not be, we shouldn't compare and analyze. It's what divides us, whether it's church or state or it's government that divides us. And so we can't play that game. I got a different card that I'm playing right now. And you're right. My team, I got a two in a pot. I got, I'm holding two in a possible and I'm going to play this hand. And so at the end of the day is stick to what we know and grow in positive energy. Let that energy flow throughout what we do. Let it show um, within our walk. And I know a lot of times we want to walk the walk, but we, that we We have a tough time. Yes. So we have to put 10 times down and continue to keep on being who we are. I tell my team, never let your calling take you someplace your character can't show up. Oh, that's a good one. I like that. Okay, so that's perfect. So I'm a, I, I, I do politics, but I'm a slay in my lane. Media, yeah. I do. And yeah. I make sure that our people have information on what's going on. But I also believe that you have to provide a solution. And so the media platforms I've created are solutionista programs. We got to, if there is a problem, we're going to find a solution. (laughs) And I I agree with you a thousand percent, even more than that. Mm -hmm. And you're absolutely right. We consistently, Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if it's, we identify the problems. We talk about the problems, Mm -hmm. but the biggest thing is we know that they exist. Mm-hmm. Now, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. So now, what is the solution? What are you going to do? For those kids, I'm actually rallying attorneys. And so um, I can tell people that if you ever have such a large problem like they did in Flint, Michigan, you have to get with attorneys willing to do a class action lawsuit against your state. And so there has to be people who are very considerate to things because it does take some time. Aaron Bakovich took, what, almost 10 years. Yep. <laughs> um, so how dedicated are we as a people 
uh, to making a difference. And I think that a lot of times the problem that we see in Black media or just in the Black community alone is that it's very difficult for us to see eye to eye and yes. see each other as a value and an asset and collaboration. It's very mm-hmm. difficult um, to make in this industry. So we are very disenfranchised. Uh, we're all over the place. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And make that in numbers. I think, I think that um, people have to know that I stopped doing business. My mom died April 16th and I stopped doing business on that day. And something for me was that my mother was an advocate. My mother marched with Father Grappi for Black people to live in communities. Um, she was an she was a Pan Africanist. We used to sit in the basement and she would teach us things. Um, and I grew up in the Nation of Islam, so I, you know, you understand what you're called to do. And so you stop doing business and you start doing people. So I stopped doing what was perfect for an outcome or an income and started doing business for an outcome. When you start doing business for an outcome, you don't have to rely so much on what's on the paper or who trying to, who name on the marquee. Black folks got that so bad, but it's because we're traumatized by the events that have happened to us over time. And I believe wholeheartedly that somewhere along the line, we need to have a sit down and a repair. Yes. The end of the day, but we can't stay there for long. Because when you're in this situation, I believe that we were all brought up uh, in a spiritual world, you know, world, maybe your parents went to church or whatever the case is. So we know that we're not in the carnal warfare, we're in the spiritual warfare. So mm-hmm. we fight with mm-hmm. one another in the space that we know better as Black people. But we do. We have, become, we have conformed so much to this world that we are the ones that are in the valley. And we're wondering why is it only happened to our race of people? And so for me, here's that solution. It is a time and place for everything, but it is certainly a time right now, like never before, for us to come together to put our differences to the side and stop having to work from a space where we game in each other. I can't stand to sit down with another person. It just, it irritates you to death because it's such a small energy. Yeah, we have to elevate to a different frequency. You are, you got the choir going, sister. You've got the choir going, but you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. And it, it could not have been stated better. It's time for us to stop, put our differences aside mm-hmm. because we are the ones that lose. Mm-hmm. We lose. And you mentioned as you were coming in, you mentioned a genocide. Mm-hmm. I've been preaching the self-imposed genocide for decades, and I don't mean one. And I've had people to say to me, nah, no, 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 uh, Black folks are having babies. If you don't recognize the genocide that we have imposed on ourselves and the genocide that we have learned from, if you don't recognize that, you're in trouble and so are we. Because mm-hmm. to me, it's clear. It's very clear. And, and and one of the things that we've got to stop doing is whatever, whatever and whenever there is division. And just as you said, mm-hmm. what is what we have to do is take control of our message. We have to take control of the narrative. If we don't control this narrative, it's going to always be the same and worse. 
We haven't controlled the narrative in how long, but we got a whole bunch of prisons. Mm-hmm. We got a whole bunch of black folks in prison. No, we got not. a whole bunch of black folks it's who have joint people that's doing this. It's not white people. It's us. It is um, black people who are killing themselves. So yes. when we say we got the the prisons can't be filled unless <laughs> we got prisoners to send there. That's but right. That's right. It is the the irony of it all is Jim Crow has uh, has done the damage, right? And so then it has to be those people who say, "Wait a minute," because I even have to say every now and then I got to check in with myself to make sure I'm doing everything I can to work within my means to build relationships with other black companies. That's important to me. No matter how big we get, how many divisions or departments we open up, it's important that we build those bridges. So we walked over into, we opened up an office. I'm in Kenya right now. I didn't go through the U.S. government to get to Kenya. I went through Kenyans and people who live there in Nairobi, and we just walked into Nollywood. So you're you're in Kenya, Kenya? Mm-hmm. Yep, we're in Africa right now. We opened up an office there. So we got full production. Um, we have a team there. Uh, we are actually going to be at the Nollywood um, Guilds. The Guilds Awards are happening. And it's just a couple of more weeks. November 17th, we're in Dubai. Um, this weekend, we're in New Orleans at the National uh, Minority Diversity uh, 50th Year Celebration. So we are constantly looking for ways to create allies and alliances. And if I can just be so kind and give you just one of the one ways that I understand from my father's teachings to your ears is that we are in a monarchy that's a Elizabethan, ran by the Vatican. And so if I've been here for almost 50 years, then I can't say that I'm not accustomed to the teaching or the core or the foundation. I am homeless in America, but yet I have to play the game. And it's I have to play the game as the Romans do in Roman. And so in order for me to thrive in this society, so I can't fight against the grain because this is not my home. My home I was taken or my ancestors were taken and brought here. They were not slaves either. They were nurses, judges, pastors, clergy members, healers. Uh, so they had um, they had disclosed them of their right to be called what they are and what they had earned over in my homeland. So since I'm homeless in America, I must do as um, the Americans do. I'm a black woman in America, not an African-American. I am a black woman in America. And um, one of the things that I love about Malcolm is that Malcolm said that media had the ability to make the innocent guilty and the guilty innocent. So it is the weapon of choice as Gordon. Yes, yes, yes. And we must choose this. This is the one weapon in which every last tyrant in the around the country and every yes whether it was Qaddafi or Idia Amin the first thing that they took out was media mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. media and so we here that's, that's in the influencer country. that's and the influencer it is the biggest way to impact the world yes it is they got you cool believing that real estate is the biggest commodity right or real estate is the exchange of wealth no it's not it's, it's media it's, it's communication. communication. It's media. You it's didn't media. know. Now, property it's is the media and property are side by side. Because the change of, I used to do forensic audit securitizations. We do not, I, I want to just get into some real quick in my mouth. But 
Um, real estate, please go look up the word mortgage. It means dead paper. For them to do the exchange of property was never something that should have been bonded in the first place, but it controls. It's a controller. It's not something that's like, oh my God, I got to have real estate. No, I don't. I got to communicate and effectively educate and inform. So this made the people who were educators more more valuable because if I can educate you how to use this instrument to be able to create money, because in order for you to know how to do a flip of a property, in order for you to understand how to buy property under a trust, somebody had to communicate that to you. Sure. Mm-hmm. So what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Yeah, communication. Yeah. So communication is always going to trump yes. that. Until you learn the system, you have no idea. It's just reimagine if you never knew what you know right now. Yeah. Right. And one of the things that we, we as a community, we as black people in this country, we, we have that excuse and I, I call it an excuse. We don't know what we don't know. And we allow that to be our excuse for not, for demobilizing that we don't know. You don't know what you don't know. And I see that as an excuse. And, and then the others are, will say, no, it's just, it's reality. We didn't know. But just as you said, after 50 years, but it's longer than 50 years. And we've been a part of the problem for a hundred years. We've been, we've created our own problems for more than a hundred years. So in order for us to remove ourselves from the damage in order for us to change our trajectory, it's all up to us. Every drop of it, it's all up to us. And we, go ahead, go ahead. When the heads or those who have connections and relationships and resources, who are our seniors and our elders, who are hold responsible for the conditions we are in today, it is not that we did not know or we didn't try to know, is that we didn't get the memo. Just imagine today we had a meeting at work and you came in the lunchroom. You're like, hey, Tan, what's up, girl? You didn't hear about it? She was like, no, you didn't get the memo? Oh, my God. And so now you feel like, I don't know what I don't know. What just happened? Why didn't I get the memo? Mm-hmm. We didn't get the financial literacy memo. No, we, we didn't. didn't get the credit memo in the black community. Right. And the people right. that did have the information was those uppity, you know, educated mm-hmm. who didn't think that it was um, sufficient or, you know, it wasn't important for us to collaborate. No, and get the content no because, because you don't want to, you don't, right. You don't want to give want. those folks, yeah, but it those was, folks the memo. Was, they yeah. don't need it. Yeah. Yeah, that was but black people knew. Just like yeah, today. They did know. They did those know. Those who went to college, you had to probably take four years of psychology or maybe you had to take two years as an elective. I don't know. But if we know the information of how we learn on how we engage in a hierarchical needs, and then we can also start to keep on piling on that because they're not studying us in psychology. First and foremost, it's always we're studying with them. You know, they were studying them or we're studying psychology from their perspective. Right. We're studying them. We're studying that's them. why they don't, that's why they're so mad about CRT. Yeah. So this, this whole dilemma here is that I feel like a lot of times it's, it's us that is holding us behind, 
but it's really our elders and our seniors. What I is it's in the Bible. It says at the at the sins of our elders, our children will suffer. Our children are suffering because we, as people that are in position who are older, are taking <laughs> taking um you holding up the agenda. We gatekeepers. So, do there okay. are many of us that are gatekeepers. Hansi. Okay, and do you really I'm an I'm an elder, not an elder yet. Well, mm-hmm. I'm a senior, so I'm 70, so mm-hmm. I am an elder. However, we have a standard here at this network. We have a standard, and that standard is to express, engage, mm-hmm. edify, change the narrative, and do what is necessary to educate and in within that context of education that is from slavery to this modern so-called modern day society so that's leaving no stone unturned and with teaching one of the things that that is straight across the board is there are a lot of black folks that don't want to hear it they don't want to hear it. Um, no, no. I think it's, uh-uh. I think it's the delivery. It no. ain't, we, won't, we don't want to hear. I think it's the delivery of how people perceive themselves to give the information. So we were um, just in Washington, D.C. at the U.S. Uh, Black Chamber of Commerce event. And um, young people, I, I applaud them. Them babies, they got it. They got it. And I can't wait to see them just thrive in their space. Because in this space, whatever happened to us, I can't, I can't say for whatever reason, you hear it every time. And it's like, who's doing what right? Who's doing what wrong? If, as long as we stay divided and we don't find a way for us to be able to not talk about the problem, but initiate the solutions and stay focused on the solutions, we can we we can drive this thing home, but we as a people in this wonderful space, we have gotten we have gotten besides ourselves in, mm-hmm. in so many ways. Mm-hmm. I, my heart goes out to everyone um, who is going through anything, and so at the end of the day, getting to this space and this place, it, this was a struggle. And absolutely, absolutely, and 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 I. Even growing where we're at right now with the television network platform, I have been in this business of publishing content for 10 years. Black people wasn't how I made it. It, it, HBO walked into my television network and did $2.5 million. Black people would have never, I mean, it wasn't that they would never. It's just so difficult because they don't even see the value and people are looking for every little thing that they can find wrong. You can't be that smart. You get this from black people. You can't own that much. You can't be doing this. Some of us ain't got time for that. You understand what I'm saying? Some of us is moving on a higher frequency that divides us all day long. And that's where I think a lot of times that's what catches us up. We're so busy trying to figure out what's wrong that we can't see what's right. And one thing for certain and two things for sure within our company, I constantly say to people, listen, look at the goal, never see an obstacle. 
I agree. You start mm-hmm. paying attention to the obstacles. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you, you, you won't be going. That goal. Thank you. you. You are a thousand percent right. You're a million percent you're right. Looking at everything wrong. You're, that's right. You're looking at everything you're, wrong. That's you're trying right. to find some. You can analyze till you get paralyzed. There you make you go. no money doing that. You make there no you difference. Go. There you go. Who is it to make money? Mm-hmm. I'll take everything. My company, people know. I'll take the money. I'll put it right back into the company. I'll put it back into the people that work with me. Yes. yes. I believe in making sure yes. that we take care of those who take care of us. But the number one thing my dad would always say is give more than you ask for, baby. Yes. I, and, yes. and I feel like that is woven in my soul. That is who I am. Because we can count all of the money in the bank that you got, but you can't count the days you got to spend it. Okay. And you're a thousand percent right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think when you die of self, Huey Newton said to die of self is to become an activist or to become an, a change agent. What that means is we stop living for self. And so taking care of my mom with dementia over that, over years, it just felt like my life was to be here for her, the matriarch, to carry her to the end, right? To get my mama home. And that's what I did to the mm-hmm, end, mm-hmm. depth, the last breath. I seen it go home. I, I see you later. We were good, right? But when we have loyalty and pride and integrity and we understand who we are, whose we are and why we are, then we can meet each other at the table and not be Judas or Peter. We can meet each other. God only traveled with 12. So I don't need yes. a whole bunch of millions. Absolutely. Of That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. And if we followers, like, we don't need that. Yeah. You, if we take our lesson from that, yes. we just take our lesson from there. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. would be a whole lot better off. Hello. We would be. We would be so much better off. No one could touch us, mm-hmm. but we refuse to take our lessons from mm-hmm. there because yeah. everybody, everybody wants to say that isn't right or you can't do that. You can't mm-hmm. mix church and state. You can't do this. You can't do that. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. God did it mm-hmm. and he paved the way for us to do it. And mm-hmm. we've taken a different course of action. Mm-hmm. And that's why we are in the condition that we are yeah. Okay. He said when those that are called by my name. Yes. Now, now you when you're going to New Orleans this weekend. Mm-hmm. So you're in Kenya now. No, we're actually traveling to New Orleans right now. I'm in Wisconsin right now. Oh, I'm confused. No. Okay. When were you in Kenya? So exposure. If I say, oh, okay, that's what you, okay, exposure is in my company is me. So exposure plus TV is now in the grounds of Kenya. Belinda Achuka is our um, international affairs director and Peter Ackham is our international affairs program director. So we have two programs. I see what you're saying. Okay. You're not physically. Whenever my brand go, I'm near her. Yes. I gotcha. I gotcha. I got you. You're absolutely right. Okay. So you'll be going to New Orleans this weekend. Yes. New Orleans is this weekend. After New Orleans, we'll be in Las Vegas at the, um, what is it? The Soul Train Awards. And then the FM, I'm in Santa Monica, um, right after that. Because the FA, the FM, the FM, the AFM is in Santa Monica. I'm sorry. What is the AFM? It's the American film market. Oh, okay. And mm-hmm. that's in Santa Monica. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. and that's towards the end of the month. Uh-uh, that's actually coming up. That's my next flight after New Orleans is the Las Vegas. Then we jump on the flight out there to that. And Afro um, Tech is happening in Austin, Texas. Okay, I have seen Afro Tech. Yes, I did see Afro Tech. Somebody okay. sent that to me. I did see Afro yeah. Tech. Yeah. Well, you, we have not finished this conversation. We mm-hmm. are going to continue the conversation. It is the top of the hour. We mm-hmm. are going to finish the conversation with you. And we've got a lot to do with you. I'm so glad. I am really excited about the things that you're doing. I'm really glad that you got here. And mm-hmm. we're going to do them with you. There is no doubt, no question. We're going to do them with you. And what you're doing, you should be commended. Every, I wish everybody had the frame of mind that you have. I wish everybody had it because you haven't said one thing that I disagree with. You have not said one thing that I disagree with. And I think you're absolutely right. And not only did, I think you said Malcolm X said that, well, you know what? Uh, uh, Louis Farrakhan, this videotape of Louis Farrakhan being interviewed by one of the uh, 60 Minutes anchors. Mm -hmm. And that... Okay, do you remember that one? Okay, that is so important and black folks need to see that. Mm-hmm. They need to see it, they need to embrace it, they need to understand that that's you. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's fact. And he is a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant man. Mm-hmm. So, you know what, you you are equally as brilliant. I appreciate your time. Thank you for coming on. And I will be in touch with you, Tam. It has been a pleasure and honor to have you on. I really appreciate it. So thank you very much. And before we go, I'm being told that we've got to go. Tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you if they choose to do so. Awesome is go to ExposureTV.club and click on the link and you'll find all my contact information there. And okay. every other media outlet. So, uh, to Intentional Talk Radio Network, I thank you so much for having me. It's an honor and a pleasure. And assalamualaikum to all. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so, so very much. And all next right. time we will talk about your publication and all of the other things that you're doing. So, thank you so much, Tam. It's really been a pleasure. Thank, thank you, you so much. Have a, good night. Have a good evening, everyone. Take Bye-bye. care. And this is the Intentional Talk Radio Network. And you have been listening to Tam Lawrence, the founder and president of Exposure TV. Be sure to join us for the other shows. Tomorrow, we have got Closing the Gap with Legacy with T. Todd Simon, regional manager, South Carolina Legacy Home Mortgage. That's tomorrow evening right here on ITRNRadio.com. Thank you for joining us. Have a good evening. Be safe going home. Take care, everyone. Good night. Thank you.